This week in our Lenten prayer book, Seek God for the City, we are going to be praying for God to transform our communities. We'll be seeking God to write his story into the fabric of our city. As many of you know, my final project for uh, my Doctor of Ministry studies was called Story Living. I gathered a, a group of local Christians for several sessions over two months where together we asked the question, what story is God telling in Story City and how are we to be part of it? We talked about bright spots in our community, where we saw God at work. Story City has a lot going for it. Wonderful parks and a carousel, thriving downtown, the rec center and our new pool. But the picture postcard doesn't tell the whole story. Ask any of our police officers, and they'll tell you there's a completely different side of Story City many of us never see. People trapped in cycles of broken relationships, of poverty, addiction, and abuse. It's the same in Ames and larger cities, just on a bigger scale, because there's more people. When the Israelites came back to Jerusalem from their exile in Babylon, they found their city in ruins. They had to rebuild their homes from the ground up. They helped their neighbors, and they helped rebuild the city wall because you can't have, in those days, you couldn't have safety and security if you didn't have a strong wall around you. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah talk about the difficulties that they had in rebuilding their city, um, putting their streets back together, and repairing where they lived. Story City has a few blighted areas that we need to address, but most of our streets and homes are in good shape. But there is brokenness and pain hidden everywhere, even right among our congregation. It's hard to know how to address all the problems of the people around us. As churches, sometimes we haven't been very helpful because, frankly, we can get fairly focused on ourselves. We tend to do that individually. Uh, we tend to focus on our own desires, our, our comfort, and our anxiety about money or relationships or whatever else is on our hearts. And then we do the same as a congregation. We worry about our finances and our buildings. We put most of our efforts into worship and youth ministry and Sunday school and other programs for our members. But we are not supposed to be just a club with dues and membership privileges. The Christian church is the one organization in the world that is primarily for people who are not yet part of it. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Invite others to come and follow me. We know the one who can heal hearts and transform communities. In his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus stood up and read from the prophet Isaiah. And it described what he came to do. 
to bring good news to the poor, release for the captives, freedom for the prisoners. And when he was finished with the reading, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back, and he sat down to teach, which is what they would do in those days. And he said something astounding. He said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This scripture has been fulfilled through your hearing. It's been fulfilled because you have heard it. When you hear the good news of God's kingdom, it changes you. Here is God's word for you. He gives you freedom. He sets you free. He releases you from what is holding you chained down. Whatever is weighing on your heart, He takes it upon Himself. He gives sight to the blind, comfort for the afflicted. Wherever you are, the good news is that Jesus is with you. And He is sending you to share that love with the people around you. His good news transforms us and sends us out. Because when we have been rescued and healed and comforted, we can't keep it for ourselves. We have to share it with others. I've heard it said that too many people have had just an inoculation of Christianity. Uh, like a, a flu shot. You've been injected with a weak or dead version of the virus so that you build up an immunity to it and never actually catch or spread it. Bill Hybels had a course a few years ago called uh, How to Be a Contagious Christian. And essentially what the course was all about was just sneeze. <laughs> Don't try to hold in the good news. Let it out. People are transformed when they come into contact with Jesus. He infects us, not with illness, but with life. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples who make disciples. Because that's how the news spreads. That's how the good news has gotten all the way here to you. Our mission statement as a congregation is building strong relationships in Christ and making Him known to all. It doesn't start off building big buildings and taking care of them. It's about building strong relationships and making Him and making Christ known to all. Well, what does that look like? How do we do that together? First of all, we build strong relationships with each other and with Christ. That's one of the reasons that we've started our small group ministry, so that we can get to know each other on a deeper level, so that we can intentionally grow in faith together. But it can't stop there. We can't just keep Jesus to ourselves. Riverside Bible Camp's motto is, is similar to ours, but a little different. It says, to know Christ and to make him known. We make disciples by building relationships with others and letting our most important relationship with Jesus 
spill over into those relationships. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He wants us to take him literally. Take out a piece of paper and a pen. Grab your bulletin or one of the pieces of paper in front of you. Grab a pen. There's a book that I highly recommend called The Art of Neighboring. And it gives some concrete ideas on how to build genuine relationships with the people right around you. God has put you in, uh, he's surrounded you with particular people for a reason. Uh, One of the things that the book talks about is that this art of being a good neighbor is one that a lot of places have lost. So on that piece of paper, what I want you to do right now is think about who are, and write down, who are the six people or the six families that live closest to you. Whether it's in your apartment, uh, who are the, you know, the folks that live right next to you, the people in your cul-de-sac or on your street, the, the six farms that are closest to you in the country. Or you can think about it at work. Who are the six people that are in the cubicles around you? Or the six, uh, six of the, the kids who are in your class at school? Once you've written down who those six people are, This week, what I want you to do is think about how well do you know them? Not just their names and where they work or, you know, what class they're in, but what are their hopes and fears? What are their dreams? What keeps them up at night? Where do they need healing and help? I want to share just a a quick story from The Art of Neighboring. Um, in it, one of the places, it talks about how anyone can be a good neighbor. And proof of that is an inspiring neighboring testimony that we've heard from an 11-year-old girl named Nicole. A few years ago, Nicole's family made a commitment to reach out to their neighbors across the street. That family consisted of a recently divorced mom and seven foster kids. To say that their life was chaotic would be a massive understatement. As they began to engage this family and learn about the complexity of their household, it began to feel overwhelming. Nicole noticed that two of their elementary-age kids were struggling. She mentioned to her mom that she would be willing to help them with their, with their schoolwork a couple of times a week. So this 11-year-old girl, Nicole, began tutoring these two kids. She knew she had something to offer, so she simply showed up at their house on Tuesdays and Thursdays to help. Not only is she serving these kids in significant ways, she is also serving their mom, who has expressed how grateful she is for the role Nicole is playing in the lives of her kids. It's a beautiful reminder of the power of neighboring. If an 11-year-old child can figure out a way to match up her gifts with the needs of her neighbors, and so can you. Look again at your list of six people and prayerfully ask God this week, who is Jesus sending you to? Who has God placed around you? And circle one of those people 
and ask, how does God want to share, how does God want you to share his love with that person or that family? How can your gifts meet a need of theirs? That's how hearts are transformed and how disciples are made by building relationships with the people next door, with your coworkers, with people at school, in your family. And then it starts to grow. It spreads to your neighborhood, your community, your nation, and your world. This week, may Jesus transform your heart. May He give you freedom and release and comfort and strength. And may He send you to build relationships and make Him known so that your neighbors and community are transformed.